you doing? Tryptophan is still wearing off. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. I heard that's full of shit. Well, I mean, there is tryptophan in- I heard you're full in... of shit. No, I heard there's, there's tryptophan <laughs> in turkey, but it's not enough to make you tired. It's just like the amount that you're eating makes you tired. Maybe, but work isn't going to believe that if I call out saying that it's too much tryptophan and I'm exhausted and I might fall asleep at the wheel. All right. I'm, I'm counting count it. Excuse. I can't use it with you, maybe. No, we're still working. Hi, Haley. I can't record. Too much tryptophan. Bye. I'd kill you. <laughs> straight up kill you. If it means you hop on a flight and come in here, then let's do it. Yeah, right. And goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> So hello and welcome to our new uh, series that we're going to be talking about for the next month. I thought you were going to say our new podcast, and I was like, wait no, a minute. same podcast. I didn't get that memo. New stuff. Just like every week. Yeah. Except this we're, is a new multi-parter, I guess we can yes. call it. And we're going to cover every single state in the United States. Even Hawaii. Yep. Even all of them. Even all of them. Even you, Florida. Oh, God. I think you have Florida. I do have Florida. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So do we want to just fucking start this shit? I mean, given that I'm the one that goes first, yeah, I guess we should start. All right. All right. This is This is also very helpful to me because up until two minutes before we started recording, I was like, what if we both did the same states? Like, what if we forgot? We we worked on this. Yes, it's we okay. worked on it like six months ago. That's true. It was very new. Yeah. A week ago, you and I had completely different things written down for our states. So. Yeah, it's true. So, and I to get into that. So what we're going to talk about for each state is urban legend, like the most popular urban legend for the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found these via like lists online. Yeah. So we're not making them up. Like. The, there were like These articles. Are documented. Yes. Well, my mine is word of mouth. Pretty oh, much okay. all. Pre, like, well, no, I'm saying for I should say Connecticut's is word of mouth. Yeah, because that's like your home that's, state. That's mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's just mine. It's no one else's. All right. Um, but yeah, they're the top urban legend, top documentary, like true crime documentary, and then yeah, top that the state killer. collectively has watched. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That was just from a list that I found. If you have a different one, then that's fine. I thought we were doing the top documentaries set in each state. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Do you know? No, it's not. Because I spent two hours looking for fucking Arizona. Good. I want to hear all about Arizona. It sucks. Well, first we got to go to Alabama. Okay. We got to go to Alabama. Alabama. So Alabama's urban legend is the Hell's Gate Bridge. Um, which has its origins in the 50s. And basically, the story is that some young couple was driving over a bridge. One thing leads to another, and they drive off the bridge, Susie Q style, and drown, as one is wont to do when you drive off a bridge. Yeah. So then, there's basically, there's two ways that this legend goes. Either you drive into the middle of the bridge and turn off your lights like a dumbass and the couple suddenly shows up in your car and leave wet spots on the seats which also that's rude um 
And then the other one is that this is like how the bridge was named. And uh-huh. it's that if you drive over the bridge and look over your shoulder at the halfway point, the like what you see behind you becomes like the mouth of hell. Just oh. fire akimbo. I don't think that's the right word that I'm looking for. <laughs> abound. But abound. I'm I'm <laughs> so tired. It's the tryptophan. Um Two months ago, it was the hay fever, guys. Last month, yep. it was something else. This month, it's the tryptophan. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. So, the and to make things even more fucked up, and some people are like, oh, it's because of the legend. And other people are like, no, it's because of dumbass teens. Um, the Hell's Gate Bridge is actually closed to cars. And oh. it's so dilapidated that even, like, walking across it, they're like, no, don't do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. But people obviously still do it, or else this legend would not still be alive today. Yeah, super spooky. Yes, super spooks. And then our documentary. So in 1987, a little director, very, very like indie, no one really knows him, named Spike Lee, released Mm. a documentary called Four Little Girls. And so it featured interviews with the family and friends of the victims of the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, which four young girls between the ages of, I believe it was 12 and 14, were killed. And the bomb was planted by members of the KKK who were also like separationists and obviously fucking racists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But so the documentary was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary. Um, And even if it didn't win, it was pretty well received. It has mm-hmm. a 100% rating on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter with an 89% audience score. And mm. the critical consensus is, quote, four little girls find Spike Lee moving into documentary filmmaking with his signature style intact and all the palpable fury the subject requires, end quote. The palpable fury. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty good. And that's pretty much any Spike Lee movie, though, I feel like palpable fury. Yeah. I feel like that's I feel like that's just synonymous with Spike Lee. Yes. Yeah. That that and like funky berets. That's that's Spike Lee's style. And and nice. New, and nice funny funny like cool glasses. Like Jeff Goldblum glasses. But mm-hmm. Spike Lee. And then finally our top serial killer is Daniel Lee Siebert. Um okay. he was active between 1979 and 1986 and his victims were Gidget Castro, Nizia McElrath, Linda Odom and Sherry Weathers and her two young sons, Chad and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siebert confessed to five murders in Alabama and along with others, that, or I wrote, and along with five murders in Alabama, along with others that were committed throughout the continent. Um, but he couldn't really give an exact number. And he was quoted as saying, quote, maybe a dozen, maybe more. I try to put those things out of my mind, end quote. So hmm. real piece of shit. Yeah. He said he killed women after raping and robbing them, and he really, like, started to kill them and make sure that they were dead after okay. he attempted to strangle a San Francisco sex worker to death, but she survived oh. and pressed charges, and he was charged with manslaughter. And he was dealing with that whole thing when they were like, hey, yo, I think this guy did it. Yeah. So um, he was convicted of the five murders and was sentenced to die by lethal injection, but he died on April 22nd, 2008 in Holman Prison near Atmore, Alabama from cancer. 
Ah, nature's right. lethal injection. I guess you can call it that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that one. All right, <laughs> and that's Alabama. All right, Alabama. All right, Alabama. Uh, I have the next one, Alaska, but I also have another section uh, that I was writing down for each state, which Uh-oh. was, um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I have the most popular um, true crime book that's set in in that state. That's why you wanted me to put down the Goodreads. Clearly, we're very prepared for this. Oh, Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's December. We're gonna. You know, have fun I with think it. there were probably books about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. So I'm gonna we'll go put with them that. on the website. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. yeah. The one that I found for Alaska was Pilgrim's Wilderness by Tom Kizia, K I Z Z I A. Sounds um, right. And it's described as Into the Wild meets Helter Skelter, which uh-uh. is immediately intriguing. And the synopsis of it that I just got from Goodreads, which you can also get from Amazon, whatever, is um, when Papa Pilgrim, his wife, and their 15 children appeared in the Alaska frontier outpost of McCarthy, their new neighbors saw them as a shining example of the homespun Christian ideal. But behind the family's proud exterior and beautiful old-timey music lay Pilgrim's dark past, his strange connection to the Kennedy assassination, and a trail of chaos and anguish that followed him from Dallas and New Mexico. Pilgrim soon sparked a tense confrontation with the National Park Service, fiercely dividing the community over where the citizens' rights end and the government's power begins. As the battle grew more intense, the turmoil in his brood made it increasingly difficult to tell whether his children were Masonic followers or hostages in desperate need of rescue. And it has a 3.74 out of 5 on Goodreads. Hey! Yeah. We like that. Uh, the state, collectively the state's favorite true crime documentary, which I think is based on data of like how much it's streamed in that state is uh, a series called I am a killer. And it's a UK series that features interviews with death row inmates. It's available on Netflix in the U S at least. And it has a 90% on Google and a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. There we go. That's pretty good. Yeah, ninety percent Google score. That's good. Yeah, you go, boo boo. And this, I thought, pilgrims. (laughs) Oh no, not the pilgrims. Um, I know, I know. Now I'm just uh, so. What stuck in my head was that apparently Alaska had pilgrims. So now I'm just going with it. No, the family. The last name was Pilgrim. No. Well, it was like a like a little cultish type thing. But no, now everybody in Alaska. It's like how in Connecticut they're the nutmeggers. California, they're the Californians. Alaska, they're not the Alaskans, they're just the pilgrims. It's fine. All right. We just go with it. Everyone's um, a pilgrim. The urban legend from Alaska is really interesting, and it's called uh, the Alaska Triangle. And it connects the state's largest city of Anchorage in the south to Juneau in the southeast panhandle uh, and up to Barrow, which is a small town on the state's north coast. And in between this is some of North America's most unforgiving wilderness. And the area began, began, the area began attracting public attention in October, 1972, when a small private plane carrying some high ranking government officials seemingly just vanished into thin air while it was flying from Anchorage to Juneau. Um, For more than a month, 50 civilian planes and 
40 military aircraft plus a dozen boats. Uh, they covered the search area of 32,000 square miles, but there was no trace of the plane, the men, oh, nice. the wreckage, or debris like ever found. No one found anything. And it's not like they were flying over uh, like a whole ocean. Like It's not like they were flying from... Um, like to Hawaii, yes, and they had to fly over the whole ocean there. Like they were flying over land. Lindbergh, you not? Yeah, they were flying over land, and still no one found anything. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, and after that, even more planes went down, and hikers went missing, and Alaskan residents and tourists seemed to just vanish into thin air. Um, since Good. 1988, more than 16,000 people have disappeared in the Alaska Triangle alone. Yeah, not creepy at all. It has a missing person rate of twice the national average. And in any given year, 500 to 2,000 people go missing in Alaska, just never to be seen again. Nice! Yeah, yeah. that's not at all creepy. Yeah. I'm definitely going to Alaska. I mean, I want to go, but also I'm not going to be dumb. I'm going to stay in, like, the... On the cruise ship. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay in, like, the areas where there's people. I'm not going to go like off the into the wilderness. Ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from the list that I found, they said the scariest serial killer was uh, Louis, Louis D. Hastings. I would okay. say it's Robert Hansen, the butcher baker. I don't know either will... of them, but what about the candlestick maker? Uh, Picton? No, like you've got the butcher, you've got the baker... Then there's no. the candlestick maker. <laughs> Robert Hansen is called the butcher baker. Yeah, but what about the candlestick maker? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but from the list that I found, they said that it was uh, Louis D. Hastings. And on March 1st, 1983, in an attempt to disrupt the Alaska pipeline, 39-year-old Louis D. Hastings murdered six of the 22 citizens of McCarthy with a... 20 uh 223 caliber ruger mini 14 semi-automatic rifle oh my Very god that's yeah. like a quarter of the fucking city or town or whatever they are yeah there was 22 people in the town and he murdered six of them that's like a and quarter he, of the town he also wounded two people oh my god he's just taking them out yeah and in what july of 1984 he was sentenced to 634 years in prison yeah, you know what? I think that no, I think that works. Yeah, I think that works. He killed a quarter of a town. Like, yeah, I think that's fair for a quarter of a town. I feel like if you killed a quarter of like my town, that would equate to maybe like a year per person, which is six hundred thirty-four years. So, like, there we go. All right. Yeah, I think it counts. I think it counts. And uh, this case and the town of McCarthy were showcased on the Discovery Channel's Alaska Ice Cold Killers episode, Frozen Terror. Nice. I love the name. That's actually fantastic. Yeah. You're up. I'm up, Buttercup. All right. So next up, we have Arizona, which, as I alluded to earlier, was a fucking nightmare because apparently <laughs> no crime happens in Arizona. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Given Jody Arias, so do I. But it's like they're hiding or something. All right. Um. So it also probably would have helped if I had just gone off by the fucking documentary most popular in the state but anyway um so first up is the urban legend which is slaughterhouse canyon it i love dates it already back to the 1800s 
Um, it's an oldie but a goodie. Basically, this family was living in the canyon known as the Slaughterhouse Canyon. So the dad would just kind of go out and get food for the family, like hunting and whatnot, because they were super poor. And one day he went out to get milk and never came back. So mm. they started to starve to death and they kind of went crazy from the starvation and from like being like all cooped up and abandonment and all that fun stuff. And so the kids kept like crying because they were hungry and sad and where's dad with the milk. And so her mo their mom kind of just went off the deep end and killed her kids, but did it Ooh. while wearing her wedding dress like puts um, on the wedding dress kills the kids and then just kind of threw the bodies into a river and then she ended up starving to death the next day oh wow yeah so basically the legend is that if you go down there at night you can hear this mom just screaming out of her mind shit yeah i don't like that I don't like it either. Arizona's, Arizona's got some weird shit, man. I don't yeah. know, man. But um, for their documentary, the 2016 documentary Enlighten Us, The Rise and Fall of James Arthur Ray is directed by Jenny Karchman. And according to IMDb, because I was like, what the fuck is this? Enlighten Us, The Rise and Fall of James Arthur Ray is the story of the motivational rock star's meteoric rise, fall, and return to the $11 billion self-help industry after his negligent homicide conviction in the death of three clients at a sweat lodge at one of his events. Oh. Yeah, I was like, oh boy. And like, if you look this guy up on IMDb, James Arthur Ray... He's got some, like, borderline Heaven's Gate headshot. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it's super weird. All right. But um, regardless, so 58% of the audience liked it on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't have a tomato meter score. I don't have a critical consensus. But you can watch it on Prime. Okay. And that's my documentary that I thought we were doing by state. But that's anyway. all right. I like that one. Yeah, I kind of want to watch it. I was like, oh, this is different. And I like um, it when we can immediately find out if they're available on streaming. Yes. And and as I'll get into later in the episode, also apparently IMDb is starting to do some streaming. And really? some of these, yeah, some of these you can watch on IMDb. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but so their top serial killer, again, like, so Arizona doesn't seem to have a serial killer. Huh. Find that With hard to the believe. Exception, that's why you find it hard to believe. Of one who was active in 2015 to 2016. Um, and Ooh. this was the Maryvale serial shooter. He was linked to 12 separate shootings across Phoenix, primarily in the Maryvale neighborhood, which is how he got his name. Uh, he killed nine people and injured three, and the victims he killed were Manuel Castro Garcia, Stephanie Ellis, and her young daughter Malia. Jesse Olivas, Horacio Pena, Paul Romero, Diego Verdugo Sanchez, and Crystal Annette White. And hmm. the ages of those he injured were 4, 16, and 21. Oh, wow. Yeah, so quite a range. Yeah. He was at large until a man named Aaron Saucedo was identified as being the Maryvale shooter while being, like, brought into like the police on other homicide charges 
Um, he ended up being charged with those two charges and these murders on May 8th, 2017, and his mm-hmm. trial keeps getting pushed back and is now scheduled for 2021. Okay. I don't know that I've heard of him. I have not. And yeah, I, I don't remember like when this I happened. Should've. Yeah, right? He shot fucking 12 people. Well, no, yeah. he shot 15 people. He killed 12 people. Yeah. Wait, no, no, I was right. I was right before. He shot 12 people, killed nine. But still, yeah. killing nine is bad, too. Yeah. Um, killing one is bad. too many. Yes, one is too many. But yeah, and that's that's the story of that. And again, there's probably a book out there about James Arthur Ray, especially if he does like self-help. Maybe he's got a book himself. I don't yeah. know. But there's no book here, so I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I have Arkansas next. and Yes, Arkansas. Arkansas. And the true crime book that came out of that state is Devil's Knot, the True Story of the West Memphis Three by Ooh. Mara Leverett. Yeah. I like um, it. It's creepy. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of West Memphis Three in this uh state because they're really nailing that home yeah Um, that's fair you got one you run with it yeah so in 2011 one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in the american league american legal history was set right when damian eccles jason baldwin and jesse miss kelly uh were released after 18 years in prison award-winning journalist mara leverett's the devil's knot remains the most comprehensive insightful reporting ever done on the investigation trials and convictions of the three teenage boys who became known as the west memphis three and it got a 4.13 out of five on goodreads okay that's pretty good so it seems like the definitive account of the West Memphis Three. So if you ever want to read about that case, I'm sure we're going to cover it at some point. Um, so you can wait for that. But if you want to read about it, this is the book to do it. That sound, Yeah, it sounds like it. 4.13 yeah. out of 5. Jesus. Yeah. And the true crime doc from this state, as you can imagine, would be Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hill. And it is a 1996 documentary. Oh, yes, I heard about this. Yeah. Um, And it chronicles the trials of the West Memphis Three. It was directed by the same guy that did uh, the Ted Bundy tapes. And Mm -hmm. Extremely Wicked. Yes. Um, And we're going to, obviously, we're going to cover the West Memphis Three eventually. So I'm not going to talk about it too much. But the three teenage boys were accused in May 1993 um, sorry, of the May 1993 murders and sexual mutilation of three prepubescent boys as part of an alleged satanic ritual in West Memphis, Arkansas. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Yeah. An audience score of 94%, 89 percent like Google score, and 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, they're doing okay. Yeah. It's, I'll take it's that. It's a very, very famous true crime documentary. I'm here from for before it. the true crime boom happened. I like it. Yeah. I like it. The true crime and boom. Yeah, that's what we're kind of in now. I like it. Yeah. I would say now is the boom. <laughs> I have two uh big urban legends out of this state, and one is the dog boy, which immediately sparked my interest. So 
1954, Gerald Floyd Bettis uh, was born in what has since been named the Bettis House. And those who knew him claimed that he used to catch dogs and cats and keep them in the house and torture and kill them when he was a little boy. So, Oh, that's healthy. Yeah. Not Nothing cool wrong dude. there. Um, but he's, what he's really known for is for the mistreatment of his parents. And the story goes that he imprisoned them in the attic, keeping them there for years. According to police reports, he did abuse his parents quite badly, but wasn't arrested until after the death of his father and he continued the abuse of his mother mm-hmm. and he died in prison of a drug overdose. And since then people have claimed that paranormal activity is common in the house, flickering lights, strange noises, moving objects, all the, all the boxes checked for a haunting. Um, but considering yes. that Beatus once threw his father out of a window, it seems like, um, they're getting off relatively light in the haunting department. Oh, Yeah. Okay. And then uh, one of my favorites is the Boggy Creek Monster or the Folk Monster, F-O-U-K-E. Okay. And he's kind of the version, like the Arkansas version of a Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever. Okay. And um, he's commonly accepted to be around seven or eight feet tall and covered in hair. And legend says that he roams the creeks of rural Arkansas. He was first spotted in 1834. When people, yeah, people reported seeing a wild man, which I'm going to say is probably just a guy like walking around the, the boggy creeks with like some long hair and just like real dirty, but yeah, just a guy being a dude, you see what you want to see. Um, but people claim to spot the boggy creek monster today and he has been the subject of five feature length films, including 1972's The Legend of Boggy Creek absolutely titled yeah i like a i like a good bigfoot legend yeah they're they're you know they're just they're like, my fave. they're comforting they're just you always know what to expect there's nothing like super oh, terrifying we'll get to bigfoot don't you worry this is this whole series is just going to be teasers of things that we're going to say like oh we're, we'll talk about this soon More um the foot <laughs> but my last one is uh, the scariest serial killer of the state, and that is Mark Edward Gardner. And in 1985, he broke into a random house in Arkansas, tied up the family, robbed them, murdered the husband and wife, and then raped and killed their daughter. So, a horrible dude. Yeah, not a nice guy. Yeah, so when he was arrested, he said the demons made him do it. And Yeah, um, that seems, that's a likely story. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um... The authorities learned about another murder that he committed in New York, and he was put to death in 1999. Okay. Good riddance. Bye. You up. All right. I was waiting to see if there was more. Okay, cool. So next up, we got California, which is currently my home state. Whoop, whoop. Um, because that's how things worked out. I got both my home states. Yeah. So our urban legend is the Charman. Ooh. And so basically this it dates back to the late 40s early 50s and a guy and his son were caught in a house fire burned really badly but survived. Um and then so after the fire like basically 
the son was not doing well physically or mentally. Mm. So he stabbed and hung his dad. And then the police had to go find him. He was really burnt to the point that he, like, he shouldn't have been alive. And he didn't look like he should have been alive. Oh. Yes. Um, So the police found him. He runs away. And... Then they were like, all right, well, where's his dad? And then they find his dad and they were like, oh, there's his dad. And so Charman's just apparently been walking around ever since. Uh, mm. He's been spotted in the woods surrounding Ojai. Um, he'll like show up and visit campers at a campsite. He'll like attach attack somebody while trying to hitchhike. Like he'll tr- he'll try to hitchhike and then attack the person driving. Like he's, he's just an all around like not nice dude, but at the same time he got like fucking two faced, except like all over his body. So I mean, yeah. okay. But so that's the char man, and then for the documentary we have Tales of the Grim Sleeper. Of course, yes, which is a 2014 documentary written, directed, and narrated by Nick Broomfield. It has a 100% rating on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and a 77% audience score. Nice. No critical consensus, but according to IMDb, it was shortlisted for Best Documentary Feature at the 87th Academy Awards. So it was like nominated to be nominated. Oh, all right. And yeah, you can watch it on Prime. And I'm not saying too much about it because while my personal top serial killer is obviously the golden state killer but i want to try to save that one for Mm -hmm. the future the top serial killer is the grim sleeper (laughs) yeah that would make sense yep and he is lonnie david franklin jr um he's responsible for at least 10 murders and one attempted murder in the los angeles california area from 1985 to 2007 and he actually got his name because he took a similar to actually the Golden State Killer, he took a 14-year break right in the middle of his murder spree from 1988 to 2002 before starting up again with the same MO. Crazy. Yeah. So his victims were, let's see here, we got a list. Alice Monique Alexander, Barbara Bethune Ware, um, I lost my place, I'm back again, <laughs> Prin- Princess Cheyenne Bertholmew, Bertholmew, B-E-R-T-H-O-M-I-E-U-X. I'm not good with French, so we're going to go with that. And then we've got Deborah Renette Jackson, Lachrika, Lachrika, L-A-C-H-R-I-C-A. And I think I know how to pronounce it in my brain. I just can't get it out of my mouth correctly. That's all right. Denise Jefferson. And then we have Mary Catherine Lowe, Valerie Louise McCorvey, Janisha Lavette Peter, um, Bernita Rochelle Sparks, Thomas Sylvester Steele, and finally Henrietta Wright. Mm. And for Thomas Sylvester Steele, he was also so he was one of the suspected victims of the Grim Sleeper. There's no DNA evidence to support the accusation, but basically, he was the friend of one of the victims. And he did die, basically. Mm-hmm. So the police are like, he did it. We just have no proof. Okay. So that being said, on July 10th, Franklin was arrested as a suspect. And 
like with the Mayfield serial shooter. He, or it's not Mayfield. Just kidding. I'm a liar. The May Va- Mary, Mary Vale. Mary, I'm Mary. like. I think I'm losing my mind. I really do. I think I might be. Um, unlike the Mar- like similar to the Mary Vale serial shooter. Lots of delays with his trial because, again, American justice system. Yeah. Arrested in 2010, his trial did not begin until February 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Garbage. But then on May 5th, 2016, the jury convicted him of killing nine women and one teenage girl, the the women that I listed. They did not convict him for Steele's murder. And on August 10th, 2016, the Los Angeles Superior Court sentenced him to death by lethal injection. So he is currently sitting on death row. Yeah, as he should. Yeah, he can. But si- we'll see I don't if know he that ever I want him, gets there. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know. I'm not saying I want him injected, but he can sit there and he can stew. Yeah, that's almost worse. I feel like is to just sit there and sit there and sit there. Yeah, and know that any day could be your last day. I feel like that's worse than the actual like death sentence. Yeah, I, I can see that. But yeah that's 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 him that's the grim sleeper that's california we out here we in this there's probably a book about him i can't imagine there's not oh no you know what it is top book this um the book by Patton oswalt's wife michelle mcnamara mcnamara thank you mm-hmm. and it's i'll be gone in the dark yep it's fucking fantastic Ms. McNamara passed away a few years ago but it was through her book along with our lord and savior paul holes who basically solved the Golden State Killer case. Yep. And I wish she was alive we'll talk to see about it, it and more. I love her very much. Yeah. Yes. We'll talk about it more when we actually get to the Golden State Killer episode. But And I don't have a Goodreads rating, but it's got a Caitlin rating of five out of four. I love it to pieces. It's a good it book. I suggest you heart. read it. It has 100% in my heart and yours. Yes. Hi, Pat and Oswald. Anyway, moving on. Uh, my next state is Colorado. Ooh, um, hi, Elisa. Yes. Our Hello. friend Elisa's in Colorado. She lives yeah. there now. We love her. Um, it's fine. As you, as you can imagine, the top true crime book is Columbine by Dave Cullen. Um, it has very uh, mixed reviews amongst people who uh, want to believe something else about the Columbine incident. But oh, we'll, yes. But we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't give time. those people any like I, any platform, even if it's talking yeah. shit. Like, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna breathe. I'm not, about not even get into it. <laughs> not even gonna get into it. Yep. Um, moving on. I have read it. I think it is a very good book. And um, if anyone is interested in the Columbine case, whether you want to believe one thing or another, uh, you should still read it. And the description um, on Goodreads says, What really happened April 20th, 1999? The horror left an indelible stamp on the American psyche, but most of what we know is wrong. It wasn't about jocks, goths, or the trench coat mafia. Dave Cullen was one of the first reporters on the scene and spent 10 years on this book, widely recognized as the definitive account. With a keen investigative eye and psychological acumen he draws on mountains of evidence insight from the world's leading forensic psychologists and the killer's own words and drawings several reproduced in a new uh, appendix in the book colin paints a raw portrait of the two polar opposite killers they contrast starkly with the flashes of resilience and redemption among the survivors and it has a 4.28 out of 5 on Ooh, goodreads we 
could just yes. keep getting better out of like a ton of reviews like yeah that's it has fantastic it has almost consistently high reviews that's basically all you need to know yeah like it's, go read like the book. i said it's a very good book um, there's no reason not to read the book at this point unless like that stuff upsets you which is fine then you don't have to read the book exactly yeah but everybody else should read the book the state's most watched true crime documentary is uh killing for love and i also wrote down from the the list that i found it from it's the same as arizona so this is also arizona's favorite see true arizona crime gets covered either way yeah um, it's a 2016 German documentary that tells Ooh. the crime story of the double murder of Derek and Nancy Hasem on March 30th, 1985 in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, an audience score of 82, uh, 79% Google score, and a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. I want to say that it is currently streaming on Hulu. I think I have watched it on there. Um but it's go check it out somewhere yeah and yeah. the favorite urban legend or the most well-known urban legend of the state is riverdale road and when i go visit elisa eventually we're definitely driving down it and i will definitely report back because it sounds insane so it's also known as the gates of hell and <laughs> it's in thornton which is one of denver's largest suburbs and it goes through both busy intersections and more rural areas and it has many legends surrounding it. There's the story of a man murdering his wife and children and setting fire to their mansion. There's stories of several savage lynchings of slaves and the ghost of a Camaro driver and his car who coaxed people into racing to their deaths. And I feel like I've heard that one. Yeah, I think that's, that's a thing. Like, I think that's similar to what we talked about in Clinton road um which oh you maybe can, that's it yeah like you can listen to our episode i want to say it was like 27 or something it was like in the 20s it was october of a while ago october and, um, two years ago i'm still scarred from it because we saw a deer i didn't realize it was a deer and i screamed bloody murder and i think elliot cut it out possibly probably um but yeah whenever there's like a, a haunting of a road or something there's always somebody driving who like tries to run runs you off, you off. The road. yeah, yeah. Or, something yeah or coax you into racing them whatever um but besides the paranormal innocent places like an old chicken coop have said to be turned into meeting places for witches and cult members which is also very similar to the clinton road um story that we talked about because i think that was another thing that they said that the in the woods around clinton road there was uh cult members and satanic rituals and stuff like that yeah um, the scariest serial killer of the state is Scott Lee Kimball, and oh. he was imprisoned in the early 2000s for fraud check convi- conviction, but was released early 2003 to August 2004 to be an FBI informant. But during that time, he murdered three young women and his own uncle, but he bragged about killing dozens of others, and he was convicted in 2009. Like that's the opposite of what an informant is supposed to do. Yeah, right? Like, you were given another chance. Like, and yet, take it, bro. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, so he was convicted in 2009 and given a 70-year sentence, and his story has been featured on Dateline NBC and 48 Hours. Yup. And that's Colorado. Bye-bye, Colorado. Hello, Connecticut. Buckle up, buttercups. This state Woo-hoo. is the bane of my existence, and here we go. Home Melon state. Melonheads. 
huge where I grew up. There are a couple stories about where they came from and why they're called Melonheads. First one, an insane asylum burned down. About a dozen inmates were thought to have died in the fire, but actually they escaped and couldn't find like food for themselves because, again, they were living in an asylum, so it can be assumed that things weren't going so well mentally. So they ended up eating each other for food, and that, with a combination of inbreeding, also ill, is kind of what kept the colony, for lack of a better word, going. Mm -hmm. Um, It led their heads to become deformed from a buildup of, like, fucking spinal fluid or something. I don't know. Their heads got really fucking huge. And then, boom, melon heads. The second version is basically similar because same results. A bunch of people were accused of being witches back in the colonial times when that was a thing. So they fled to avoid getting, you know, like fucking burnt at the stake and ended up in the woods. Cue the inbreeding, cue the cannibalism and boom, melon heads. But yeah. So either way, because of their cannibalistic ways, you got to keep up with that tradition. So they still are eating people today and mostly they get their food from like the group with the lowest nutritional value, which is stupid teenagers. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to be confused, I should say, with all other teenagers, just the stupid ones. Everybody else is fine. Just the dumb ones. Yep. Um, And these aforementioned stupid teenagers either, like, A, go into the woods at night, which, to be honest, like, if you're dumb enough to do that, then you deserve whatever's coming to you. Or B, you drive down a road that goes in the middle of the woods at night. So, like, for my area, the hottest spot was, like, Sawmill Road, I think it was called, in Shelton. And then I think there was also a road in the town I grew up in, Trumbull. Um, But the big one was Sawmill. Like, everybody was like, yeah, don't fucking go near Sawmill Road at night. Um, Yes. And I think our parents basically told us not to do that because there's also no, like, real lights on Sawmill Road. But it's also Uh the middle of the woods and the melon heads are there. And basically, if you're driving down that road, if you're biking or walking down that road... You look in the woods, you make eye contact with one of these fuckers, they will track you down and straight up domer your ass. And yeah, that's Damn. the melon heads. All Apparently, right. uh, the list that I was going off of, which I think is the same one you were going off of from Insider, they don't list the melon heads. And I was like, oh, no one in your office is from what? Connecticut because it's what all melon heads all the time. I don't fucking know. I never heard of it. I'll go back. Oh. And, I'll, let me go and look really quick because honestly... I, I I don't remember, but it was not the melon heads, and I was like, "Listen, everybody knows the melon heads." Yeah, like, the way the way our system goes, that we switch off state by state. I got New Jersey, and that's yes. my home state. So um, I saw what they said for uh, for urban legend, and I was like, "I got some other ones." So I'm yeah. going to throw in a couple other little ones when we talk about New Jersey because I got a whole state worth. All right, so, yeah, Connecticut had the Wicked Witch of Monroe, Hannah Crana, who was, like, a witch, and she apparently killed her husband, and she would, like, cast spells on people that she didn't like. Yeah, like, honestly, Hannah Crana sounds like a badass bitch more than anything, but she actually is from the town next to mine. Interesting. Um, Yeah, which is the same town as the Warrens lived. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. So, that's Monroe. So, yeah. That's I don't cool. know. Monroe doesn't seem super witchy to me, other than, you know, like, the Warrens. But, yeah, it's the fucking Melonheads. Insider, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Um, And then our top documentary. So, again, thought we were doing it by state. But either way... I think I know, th- I think I know what it is. Can I guess? You can guess. I don't think you're going to get it. Is it the Cheshire Murders? It's not, but that one fucks me up. Nobody look it up because I'm going to do an episode because I'm still pissed about it to this day. And I have like a 
like six degrees of Kevin Bacon connection to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Fun. Yes. And speaking of things I have a six degrees of Kevin Bacon connection to that I'm not going to talk too much about because it's going to upset me and also because I'm going to talk about it once I'm like able to. So the documentary is the 2016 Sandy Hook documentary, Newtown. Oh, I should have known. Yeah. Yeah. It was directed by Kim A. Snyder. And I feel like I've mentioned this a lot, but Newtown, Sandy Hook, it's 20 minutes from where I, from literally my house. Yeah. Um, It's an hour and 15 minutes or so, maybe an hour 20. It took me three hours to watch it because I kept having to pause because I was just like sobbing. Yeah. So definitely that, watch it with the box of tissues. That case is so fucking sad. It's, it's, it's upsetting enough. And like I said, part of the reason why I am not going to go into it is because I would like to go into it in the future. But also, like, yeah. it, is, it is tough to talk about. Um, I've got a bunch of connections to that case, too. And it's just, it's, it's fucking kids, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know about the Sandy Hook case, then... Uh, it's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, it's bad. Yeah. So, fuck. <laughs> um, it has a 94% on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, with an audience score being 68%, and that, however the fuck much math, um, 32, 48 per- math, 42%? 42%, right? No, 32%? Sure. <laughs> 32%. Uh, final answer. 32%. I think it's 32%. All of them are probably just like fucking those people that think that they were actors, crisis actors. But um, uh, yeah. you can watch it on Netflix in the United States. I know that for sure. You can probably watch it elsewhere as well. I, I It's a, it's an amazing documentary. I do highly About a terrible recommend subject, it. Yeah. Yes, it's by a terrible subject. Um, Kim Snyderman, like he does a great job. Um, he was very sensitive to the victims I found, like, and their That's families. Good. Which, when you've got 27 dead and the majority being children yeah you need to have a little sensitivity more so than more so than others um but yeah it's a really it's a really fucked up case eventually i'll be able to talk about it in more depth but that's our documentary and Mm -hmm. our top serial killer so okay so i wanted to do i was really mad that we had to do serial killers because cheshire is probably one of our biggest ones um right up there with the wood chipper murder which i'm yeah. going to talk about i want to talk about both of them as well okay but um our top serial killer like so tons of murdering shitheads lived in connecticut but the one that's the that's one of like the only serial killers was william devon howell also known as the sick ripper um Ooh. he killed seven women in 2003 nilsa arismendi melanie ruth Camellini, diane cusack marilyn gonzalez Joy Valine, Joy Martinez, Mary Jane Menard, and Janice Roberts. And the police initially, he was only like a suspect in just Arismendi's murder. Um, but her body hadn't even been found at the time he was arrested. So then Howell like struck up a deal and was charged with first degree manslaughter and mm. was sentenced to 15 years at the Cheshire Correctional Institution in Cheshire, Connecticut. And, like, swearing up and down, like, that he didn't do it and all these different things, like, oh, maybe this person did it or, oh, she was, like, fighting with her boyfriend, I think, was one of the things he said. Like, Mm, just really trying to come up with any reason that he didn't do it. But while he was in the Cheshire Correctional Institution, he told a cellmate that there was a monster inside of him. 
and he said he was a quote sick ripper and that's how he got his name because the media really like latched onto that okay so he was later also charged with witness tampering after threatening another inmate that he told um charged with these murders cried like a fucking baby because in November 2017, while already serving this 15-year manslaughter sentence, he was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. Oh, well. And he just fucking sobbed. He was such a big fucking baby. Good. Oh, and I have a book for this one, actually. Um, And it's got a good read score. Oh, goddamn. Past me is looking out for future me, let me tell you. Uh, there's a book about him titled His Garden, Conversations with a Serial Killer. It's both an autobiography and a biography. It's co-written by Howell and true crime author Ann K. Howard. And it's got a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads with the synopsis, His Garden Probes, The Complicated and Conflicted Mind of William Devin Howell, Connecticut's Most Prolific Serial Killer. Both sacred and profane in its narrative style, the story on these pages explores the eternal question of human evil and its impact on others, including the women he chose to hear, or the woman he chose to hear his horrific confession, end quote. So he basically told her the story. She wrote it down. It was a whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. So like, yeah, check it out. And that's, that's a pretty good score. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad at it if it were me. Yeah. But yeah, so that's him. He kind of sucked. Nice. He, like, he really sucked. And yeah. that was mostly like northern, central Connecticut around mm-hmm. there that he was pulling this shit. Like the yeah. Seymour, Weathersfield, New Britain, West Hartford areas, East Hartford, all that, all that jazz. You know, shout out to my Connecticut people who know where that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know where fucking Jerupa Valley. I know it's Jerupa. Trust me. Um, enough people. Now you know. No, I'm still reminded. What fucking two years later? Um, people no, will still a year. say to me, "No, it's been more than a year because it was last April or not last oh, yeah, April. That's right. April 2017. It's almost two. And people Shit. still come up to me and they're like, hey, it's Europa. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I know. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I got it. But I definitely don't sometimes still call it Europa. But either way, I know where everywhere is. And he was in a lot of spots. And yeah. that's William Devin Howell. That's Connecticut. And let's move on before I ramble anymore. All right. All right. I got Delaware. Um, And the... True crime book from that state is And Never Let Her Go, Thomas Capano, The oh, Deadly Seducer. Oh, I know that by, one. Yeah, Sorry. by Our Love and Rule. <laughs> yes! Queen love Anne. Rule book, yes. Uh, the description says, On a June evening in 1996, 30-year-old Anne-Marie Fahey, I'm going to say that's yeah, how you say her Fahey. name, um, secretary to the governor of Delaware, vanished without a trace following a rest restaurant rendezvous with her secret lover of more than two years thomas capano one of wilmington's most prominent and respected figures a millionaire attorney and a former state prosecutor tommy was a charming soft-spoken family man but in the weeks and months that followed fahey's disappearance investigators would gradually uncover the shocking truth capano was a steely manipulator driven by power and greed and capable of brutal murder in a riveting narrative expertly documented by probing interviews, diary entries, and email correspondence with superb insight into the twisted motivations of a killer, and Rule chronicles a real-life drama of Shakespearean proportions. 
Ambitions fall, love turns to obsession, family names are tainted, the facade of success crumbles, and a beautiful but vulnerable woman pays the ultimate price in a convoluted and deadly relationship. Queen and it's Anne. got a 4.11 out of 5 on Only Goodreads. the best for our queen. Yep. Love her. Love and Anne rule book. Yep. The favorite true crime documentary or most watched true crime documentary of the state is Thin Blue Line. This is another oh. really famous, yeah, really famous uh, true crime documentary. Uh, it's from 1988, and it depicts the story of Randall Dale Adams, who was convicted and sentenced to death for a murder that he did not commit. No, he Adams' didn't. case was reviewed, and he was released from prison after 12 years, approximately a year after the film's release. It has won multiple big awards since, um, since it was, but it was marketed as nonfiction, not documentary. Oh. So it was actually disqualified for being nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, that sucks. And it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes again, with an audience score of 90%, with over 8,000 ratings. So, really good. Yeah, 83% I think that's okay. Google score. Yeah, it's amazing. I and know, eight point- just- <laughs> Sorry. Uh, 8 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate that. Yeah. I doubt they do either. Um, I'm sorry if anyone's from Delaware, but like your urban legend that I've found from the, the list is kind of lame. My friend Kylie is from Delaware. Can confirm she is lame. <sighs> sorry. Sorry, but <laughs> this urban legend is kind of dumb. Sorry, He's Kylie. Mis- love you. <laughs> He's called Mr. Chu. Okay. And uh, please tell me he living, chews things. <laughs> living, he was the chief justice of the Delaware Supreme Court in 1741. Um, oh, and, this is yeah. oldie. And when he was alive, he didn't get the respect he deserved. People frequently made fun of his name and mimicked uh, sneezes while walking by. I don't oh, know why. Oh, that's clever. Because a chew, Mr. Chew. Oh. All right. Yeah, that's but it's spelled clever. chew like chewing, like yeah. But it sounds like chew, like a chew. I think uh, I both guess. works. I think All both right. works. It was so funny in 1741. Yeah, it's funny uh, now. <laughs> but after his death, people reported seeing a ghost sitting under a poplar tree, wearing, uh, wandering around the courthouse, and generally creeping out the residents of Dover. Good. Chew would also pull on men men's coattails and give women a cold, icy feeling. Oh. So that's not good. More of a Casper than a yeah. Uh, anything else? Yeah. Um, the scariest serial killer from the state is Stephen Brian Pennell, uh, and he's also known mm-hmm. as the Route Forty Killer. And he used his van uh, that he drove for his electrician job to pick up victims along Route Forty in Delaware. Fibers from the carpet of his van were found on two of the five people he was suspected of killing. He was convicted of those murders in 1988 and put to death in 1992, and he is Delaware's only known serial killer. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Delaware, isn't Delaware, Delaware the smallest state, or is that Rhode Island? That's Rhode Island. That's Rhode but it's, Island, It's yeah. one of the smallest states, so I, I think guess it might be number sense. two, right? Yeah, it's I think it's small. number two. So, like, that makes sense, because, how, I mean, I would hope that such a tiny state wouldn't have more than one, if one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, I'm next. I was like, yeah, so what's now? Now it's Florida. 
oh lord we could probably talk about florida for a whole episode yeah we're gonna go off on a high note we're going off on a good one no i got one more after you oh fuck you right never mind i'm lying it's all about me it's fine (laughs) um so the urban legend for florida i almost said our urban legend also and i was like oh no 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 um (laughs) no part of that i probably belong i like the conspiracy theory isn't there a conspiracy theory that florida doesn't exist I don't know. Or is you, that something you else? You send me all of these. You also send me those the ones that say birds are oh, th- that they I don't exist. That They're one. invented by the government. We should do an yes. episode on conspiracy theories. I, um, I want to do an episode specifically on dumb conspiracy theories. Yeah, like that the people at Sandy Hook were crisis actors. Anyway, oh, what about what about the one that Finland doesn't exist? I haven't heard of that, but I've also never been oh, to Finland. I'm going to so. send you all of the information on it you because already it do is send hilarious. Me all the information on these things. <laughs> I love looking up these ones. It's like, oh, you think the moon's hollow? Well, I can prove to you it's not even there. <laughs> that's that's literally, that's what Haley does in her spare time, is she'll just send various conspiracy theories. Yeah, just, it's like, oh, you think you heard of some dumb shit? ones, yes. And she always <laughs> is like, oh, you think that's dumb? Wait, hold my beer. Hold my poodle. Yeah. Um... But anyway, back, Florida. Back to the, yes, back to the conspiracy theory that is Florida. Um, ur- the urban legend is the phenomenon that happens at Spook Hill, um, mm. which is Spook Hill. Spook Hill, which is basically cars. You put if you put them in neutral, they will basically roll uphill. Oh, there's something like that in Jersey too. I think I'm not going there. You can't make me. Um, the legend says that it's. So basically, there's something to do with Native Americans that goes on there. It kind of differs. Some people are like a Native American chief and a crocodile duked it out, which sounds very oh. Florida to me. Yeah. Or it was like a Native American burial ground or something. But um, apparently, it's actually just an illusion created by created by the hills surroundings. Um, they're rolling downhill, but they look like they're rolling uphill. Science. I have yeah I've never been I don't know I can't say but that sounds pretty Florida to me um nice. the documentary in question is Eileen life and death of a serial killer which is of also course. by Nick Broomfield um, oh okay yeah and it's got an 84% on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and a 74% audience consensus uh, audience score with the critics consensus being Quote, this chilling, unsettling documentary provides an eye-opening look at both Wuornos and the American justice system, end quote. Um, you can watch it for free on IMDb. And according to IMDb, uh, Steven Schneider included it in his list of 1,001 movies you must see before you die. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you really should see this documentary and watch it yeah. on IMDb and since it's, about, it's free. It's about Eileen Wuornos. It, Eileen like, It's called Eileen, but it's about... Eileen Mornos, who's like a very famous female serial killer. Yes, so famous that one might even call her the top serial killer of the state. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say as little po- as possible about her, too, because we're going to cover her eventually. Basically, she was a sex worker. She had a really tough life, sexual abuse, had a child in a home for unwed mothers. She was she was a member of the LGBTQIA community. Um, she would basically lure men who solicited her for her for her sexual favors and then murder the shit out of them. She was played by Lily Robb on American Horror Story, and she was sentenced to death and was euthanized. 
Yeah. Uh, that's Eileen Wernos. Um, and I was going to actually, instead of her, I was going to talk about Florida Man, but I decided not to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I think Eileen Wornos is the most popular one. I don't know. Um, Florida Man is the most popular in my heart, so that's okay. Yeah, my he heart can, doesn't. He count. can stay there. It's still three sizes too small. We yep. gotta wait for Christmas. But yeah, that's it. Come on, Eileen. That's Florida. That's Florida. Oh, all right. Oh wait, wait. There's a book for that too. I I actually have this in my notes. I yeah. don't have the Goodreads, but there's apparently a book that was like re- it came out in i didn't write much down about it it came out i want to say in the early 2010s and um it's called dear dawn eileen wernos in her own words and it's actually letters from eileen to her childhood friend dawn oh i think i knew about this yes yeah and it's just them their correspondence over like 10 years oh wow yeah that these women compiled and so that's that's a book and nice. it's probably got a good good read score. If not, then I'm a liar. But that's Florida. Right. <laughs> and this has um, been a very Florida explanation of Florida, I feel. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of crime happening in Florida, so you can There is never not crime. I guess there's never not crime happening anywhere, but especially in Florida. Yeah. Especially so Florida. We'll be covering a lot more of Florida. Yes. I don't anticipate um, us running out of things for Florida anytime soon. No, no. <laughs> the last state we have for this episode, remember we're doing like a five-parter. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Wait, were you reminding Georgia. me or were you reminding them? Them. Okay. Well, you also reminded me, but thank you. You all listeners. Yes, I listen. Um, Georgia is the last state I have for this episode. I love mm-hmm. Georgia. I went there for my anniversary last year. Mackenzie, it's an amazing state there with her boyfriend yes. tommy and i love i love they're in savannah i love savannah i love florida i love them i love when you went for your anniversary when we thought you yeah. were going to get engaged and i love that instead you got engaged a couple months ago and i love that you're engaged and yeah. i love that i'm gonna shut the fuck up now and let you tell your thing uh but you brought up savannah and the true crime event book from Georgia is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, a Savannah story by John Barrent. Barrent, yes. Um, the description is, is very cinematic. So it says, Shots rang out in Savannah's grandest mansion in the misty early hours of May 2nd, 1981. Was it murder or self-defense? For nearly a decade, the shooting and its aftermath reverberated through this hauntingly beautiful city of moss-hung oaks and shaded squares. John Barrett's sharply observed, suspenseful, and witty narrative reads like a thoroughly engrossing novel, yet it is a work of nonfiction. Barrett skillfully interweaves a hugely entertaining first-person account of life in this isolated remnant of the Old South with the unpredictable twists and turns of a landmark murder case. It's a very famous uh, book. Um, have not read it yet. It's been on my list for quite a while, but it has a 3.92 out of 5 on Goodreads. Hey, there we go. Yeah. Uh, The most watched true crime documentary from the state. This is weird. I've never heard of this one before. It's called Sour Grapes. And IMDb describes it as a documentary about the fine and rare wine auction market centering around a counterfeit who befriended the rich and powerful and sold millions of dollars of fraudulent wine through the top auction houses. I like it. So not like a murdery one, more like an upscale uh, 
waspy one. Hey, it's crime. Yeah. It has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, an audience score of 94%, 86% Google score, and a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, and you can watch it on Netflix. Nice. In the U.S. currently right now. Yes. <laughs> so anytime I don't we know. say that, I feel like we should also mention anytime we say that, we do mean here in the U.S. Yes. Sometimes we get I, upset messages, and I'm very sorry. Yeah. I can't tell. I don't know if you can tell if it's available in other yeah. um in other countries but i don't know i don't know i don't know um the top urban legend of the state is the curse of lake lanier Ooh. and apparently yes i never heard of this one before so at the bottom of lake lanier lies an almost fully intact uh towns and also ferries a racetrack and multiple cemeteries Nice. The government, in their determination to create Lake Lanier, uh, bought up entire towns in order to clear the space for the lake after they received congressional approval in 1946. However, they decided to let the water cover up the towns rather than demolishing them. Um, there have been an unusual amount of freak accidents and deaths on the lake. In 2011, there were 17 deaths alone. Many people who uh, have drowned there have never been recovered. People have reported feeling arms and legs in the water and have not been able to find them right after, leading people to believe that spirits still roam the lake. Nice. I'm all about that. Yeah. That was listed as the top urban legend, but um, when I was in Savannah, there is no shortage of like ghost tours. Oh, so, yes. Yes. Highly recommend. I, and if I went in October, like around Halloween time, so uh, it it was crazy when i was there yes yes but highly recommend if you're going to be in the savannah area go on one of those ghost tours because they looked incredible i was not able to because i was doing some anniversary shit but um it looked amazing and there's a lot of old history in savannah it looks yeah. really really cool and last but not least the scariest serial killer of the state is uh carlton gray sorry carlton gary and he's also known as the stalking strangler. Ooh, that's yes, very festive. I like, since I like we're in the a, Christmas season, that's very true. I like a serial killer with a, a weird name. So, yep. In 1977, seven, seven elderly women were beaten, raped, and killed, and had, and some were found choked to death by their own stockings. Gary was arrested in May 1984 and convicted for the murder of three of those women, despite the fact that physical and scientific evidence developed long after his trial proves that he was likely innocent of the crimes. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah. Evidence includes DNA evidence that the only eyewitness identifying Gary at the trial was mistaken in her identification, but he was put to death in early 2018. Oh, wow. That's a bummer yeah very sad see this is if why i'm was... always like death penalty like eh, what if there's a mistake yeah but then you're also like eh, when there's... maybe they should die <laughs> yeah and then like so there's some that like all of the evidence is there like besides like a photo of them actually doing it yeah <laughs> all evidence is there and you're like why are you taking up space in the prisons and why are we paying for you <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean that's a that's a fight for another episode but yep yeah 
So that's that. We got 10 states, and we're going to be back next week for 10 more. Yeah! So if you want to find, uh, if I can find links to some of the um, documentaries or uh, Goodreads pages, I'll probably start posting of some of the books we talked about. Um, if you have a story uh, from any one of the, the 10 states we talked about, like a true crime story or something, something that like you're connected to, submit it to us. We'll post that on the website too. And uh, yeah, so go to the website, which is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And you can email us those stories at crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Yep. And you can also, um, if you have a story, try to send it to the email so they're all in one place. Yes. Uh, but we're also on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those. Yeah. And that's that. Yeah, I'm about it. That's it. All right. That's all we wrote for now. That's all we wrote for now. We will see you <laughs> next Tuesday. Are you going to start or am I going to start? Oh, there it is. I did, I did a little one. You did a baby one. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> Haley yeah, wasn't doing for now on. No, I, I don't want that. Bye. <laughs> see, so, okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>